Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, our podcast about all things assisted reproductive technology. And I, I know we've been harping for a few weeks. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. I guess I should say who I am, huh? Oh, I'm Jennifer White, and I'm here with my sister, Ellen Trackman. Hi. I was going to say, say hello, Ellen. Um, I I know we've been talking about uh, Advocacy Day on and off for quite a while here, just because it's something that is near and dear to our hearts. And it is virtual this year, but normally it is actually in Washington, D.C., and you get to go into the buildings and actually go advocate in person. So, uh, Ellen, have you been to Washington, D.C. before? Uh, yes, I have been it's a to loaded question people. that I know the answer to <laughs> so many times. Uh, so I lived outside of DC when I was in seventh grade. What? Pretty exciting. I had no idea. Right. Um, and then my spouse ended up working for two years in, um, not quite two years, almost two years in DC and I refused to move there with our four kids. <laughs> so, uh, and I think that was his plan is that we would all move to DC. And I was like, oh, I know I'm, I'm going to stay here with our kids. So he ended up commuting back and forth. And then during the summer, so the first summer we kind of um, lived in DC-ish for most of the summer with him and then have been back and forth many times. Aside from other trips to DC, I mean, DC is an amazing city. There's so much yeah. to see, so much to do. Um, yes. You, have you ever been to DC? Um, aside from the aforementioned uh, living <laughs> of in DC time, <laughs> actually, yes, I also lived there uh, later. Uh, Ryan and I actually got married in the greater Washington, DC area. Oh. So yeah, we, when we eloped, I would remember that if I'd been invited, but well, as I just said, when we eloped, (laughs) nobody was invited. I know you try (laughs) that a lot. Family vacation. Uh, We do like to not invite people, but still people show up. I don't know. know. We had known. (laughs) I'm not good at keeping secrets apparently. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I, I love Washington DC. It is near and dear to my heart. I mean, I remember in, I mean, so you were in seventh grade. I was in high school, but um, our parents would let me play hooky. Were you in um, high school when I was in seventh grade? I was thinking you were, you know, in your forties by then. Yeah, yeah, I know, I was. Yeah, <laughs> um, but they'd let me play hooky and go in and go wander around the museums. Um, and I, still to my day, like absolute or today, like treasured memory that I got to spend days just walking around the Smithsonian museums, which are it, so incredible. So even when I just went back for advocacy day, the last time in person, I spent a day, I put aside an extra day just so I could go back and kind of relive that and go wander around in the museums myself by myself. Nice. And speaking of advocacy day, so today we have the leads of this year's advocacy day and they get to talk about their inspiration, their work to be advocates and the huge turnout it looks like we're having this year where you can add to those numbers. So they um, have amazing things to say. Welcome Jesse Feist and Joe Cody to the show. Um, They are the 2020 and 2021 Federal Advocacy Day for Resolve co-chairs. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So we thought we'd start by having you tell your own stories of what led you to become passionate about advocating for others and other families. Um, Jesse, do you want to start by telling your story that led down this path? 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Firstly, I just want to say Advocacy Day is uh, June 17th and registration uh, closes June 3rd. Got to get that in there. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Um, So, yes, uh, I began um, in third-party reproduction um, six years ago. And boy, I was like, wow, where's this been my whole life? It was just such a cool field to be in. And I, it was very rewarding. And um, I was working with gestational surrogates, which are, of course, women, as you, as you ladies know, women who carry for others um, who have no uh, genetic relation to the children that they carry. And it's all very safe and modern and wonderful. And, you know, uh, American acceptance of the practice is on the rise as it should be. It's a legitimate, great third party reproduction family building option. Right. And I was like, this is amazing. Uh, gestational surrogates are incredible women. They are lighting a candle in the darkness. I want to do this. I'm like, go to my husband. I was like, please, I've got to be a surrogate. And he's like, uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. yeah, he had some hesitations. Right. And the joke is that mm-hmm. more has husbands have killed would-be surrogates than body mass index and clinic standards combined. So um, I think that's true. And and you know what? And I think it's important to talk about that. And I think it's important that it is that way. Cause I think a lot of people are like, it doesn't matter what he thinks. And I'm like, it 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 does matter because he's oh, a part yeah. of the journey too. So true. Absolutely. It's a big, it's a whole family uh, affair. And so uh definitely taking his uh, concerns into consideration, I said, okay, well what can I do? These women, I was working daily with egg donors and surrogates who were uh, making an impact, an incredible impact in the lives of others. And I was inspired by that. And so uh, we moved to Northern uh, Virginia around that time. And I, so I was not too far from DC and I was already working a little bit with Resolve. And so I was like, what can I do? So I increased my advocacy with Resolve and just sort of started obsessing about uh, ideas that I had and, and spamming Resolve with ideas and um, attending advocacy days and events. And so uh, I had the luck of then being asked two years ago to um, become the co-chair after having been on their planning committee um, for two previous years. And it's just been uh, an incredibly exciting experience. I've <laughs> and, learned so much. And yeah. what a year to take on being the co-chair, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 2020 was exciting. We had a big shift, but it was worth it. We had a record-breaking number of attendees, which is very exciting. Of course, not everyone can afford or wrap their head around getting on a plane and going to D.C. So being virtual last year was really the equalizer. Okay, like you can't come to DC. How about you log in from your kitchen? And a lot more people were into that. So we're hoping for uh, a build on last year's number. We're hoping to get to 450 attendees representing all 50 states um, this year. I know, right? Uh, do you do you know right now? I'm so, I won't I won't disclose what day we're recording this. Do you know how close we how close you are to that? Joe, were we at three something? <laughs> <laughs> We're, we we feel good, but there's still work to be done. So if you're listening and haven't signed up yet, you Absolutely. should get on that immediately. Excellent. Perfect. Well, you have at least a couple. I know um, everyone on this on, on this podcast. There's four, right? There's four, right? Wonderful. Love it. I I was gonna say I I've already signed in. I'm I'm also a team captain. For and if anyone's state, so. listening from West Virginia, please, <laughs> no. we need you. We'll have to do Virginia. a promotion, in West Virginia, <laughs> right? Is it Wyoming also still? Do you guys find Wyoming? We can always use Wyoming. We can always use people from Wyoming. Nice. So, Joe, do you want to tell us your story of what led to becoming passionate about advocacy and becoming co-chair of this big movement? Yeah, of course. Uh, So uh, my wife and I live right outside Washington, D.C. We're in Silver Spring, Maryland, and I've actually worked in politics, government, and health policy uh, for over a decade now. And so... um, as we, after we got married, we started having difficulty. And then eventually my wife was diagnosed with uh, 
insufficient ovarian insufficiency. Um, and so we struggled. We went through multiple failed IVF rounds, uh, ended up switching clinics, going through the whole process, had one miscarriage, uh, over two and a half years of failures. And as we went through this whole process, I really actually enjoyed uh going through all of the policies of the insurance companies. And I mean, luckily in Maryland, we have a mandate which uh, covers, but we, we end up totally having to use... be friends because I love looking at insurance too. <laughs> my you wife always jokes that. special about that. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my favorite activities is to uh, stick it to the insurance company uh, when they were trying to argue about stuff, when I was pulling out all sorts of cover decisions and other, uh, <laughs> other stuff. That's awesome. Uh, I love it. So we uh, ended up having to use uh, donor eggs, uh, and luckily we were uh, – our last actually viable embryo, uh, we were successful, and I actually have a one-year-old now, uh, our rainbow baby who's, you know, love of my life. But as we kind of struggled with the whole process, you know, as a lot of people know, you, you don't really have a lot of control over anything. And since I had a lot of experience with government affairs and health policy in D.C., I figured I could try to, you know, take some control and lend a little bit of my expertise to help out uh, with other people across the country. You know, I said, we're lucky in Maryland, we have a mandate, but a majority of states in the country do not have that type of coverage mandate. And a lot of people still have to pay out of pocket for a majority of their costs. You know, we use donor eggs and still had to end up paying tens of thousands of dollars out of pocket. And so, you know, I really wanted to try to utilize some of my skills to uh, decrease the cost and to increase access to, you know, important treatments. So I started getting involved uh, and one thing led to another and, you know, uh, Barb, the CEO of Resolve reached out to me and asked if, you know, I'd want to be co-chair with Jesse and we've been doing it. This is our second year together and we really do, I uh, think, a great job of complimenting one another because, as you can tell already, you know, she's the energy and she is, you know, creative and everything. And I'm very much a nuts and bolts DC insider type, but our skill set really has complemented one another. And it's been fantastic to, uh, to lead such a dedicated group of volunteers. It's been so fun. And we have 60 volunteers um, on our planning committee this year or close to it. And we've never had, this is sort of a, a test. Um, we've never, it's usually been, you know, a smaller group uh, that really knew one another. And so we pulled in with, and uh, they're blowing us away. It's incredible to see what really smart people who are dedicated to the cause can do, you know, when you, when you start early and you're organized. And so we're just excited to see all the things that they've come up with. It's, it's been really exciting. For people who are unfamiliar with what advocacy looks like on this level or an advocacy day, can you kind of walk through what that does look like and what it's hoping to achieve? If I can just say, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, this is so not me, this is not for me. If you're listening to this, it is for you. Advocacy, right? Like it can be whatever you want it to be. If you are type A detailed and you want to read the entire bill, that is awesome. You and, and, and Joe and Ellen, you're going to hang out. It'll be great. But if you want to show up uh, for the one-hour lecture that Resolve is going to give you to prepare you, answer a few emails, maybe show up to that cram session and listen to your state captain who's going to say, okay, read this part. We're here for that too. And that's a good portion of the folks that attend. Um, you don't have to know everything. It's okay to like come having not thought about your civics class in the past 20 years. That's okay. Like uh, advocacy is about 
being a little scared or uncertain about what it is that you're doing and still showing up and um, joining in the community to to move family building legislation, push it forward. Um, I will say, actually, it's even about being more than just a little bit scared. It's okay <laughs> to be a lot scared. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's intimidating. Uh, I, I was terrified the first one I went. And I mean, you can ask Ellen, very little terrifies me. Um, but I was absolutely just out of my mind terrified. And they made it so so easy. You know, I went to their one day training class and I learned all the things and because I chose to go the day before to go to the training class. But even if I hadn't, the hour before is exactly what you're talking about. It is so perfect and it makes it so easy for people to be part of it. Well, I, I think also as we look at the power of an organization like Resolve, you can have all the lobbyists you want pounding the halls and, you know, hobnobbing and doing all these things that people think happens in DC. But the real power of an organization like Resolve is the advocates who are telling their story. You know, when you have someone who is saying these are the real world implications of the policy that lawmakers are passing. And this is how, you know, you can impact someone's life. You can help them with a family. You can help them through the adoption process. You can help to end discrimination and you can really have an impact on someone's life. The, the truth that people can tell is the most powerful component of Resolve's Advocacy Day. So, you know, for every person who is a DC insider like myself, we need a hundred advocates who are there to tell their story and who are there in constituents and to say, this is how this impacts my life. This is the real world implications of this, but you have the power to be able to help me and to help my family and to, to help millions of Americans. You know, one of the things that Revolve always says is one in eight. And the reason that the organization really pushes that is because everyone knows someone, whether they know it or not. It's such a, a large number of people who are struggling with infertility or access to care that you know, we need people to be able just to tell their story. And you don't need training to tell your story because it's incredibly personal. You don't need to exaggerate. You don't need to say all the stuff because, you know, everyone who's gone through this process or knows people who have no distress and the impact financially and, you know, on relationships with family and everything else that goes along with it. And that is an incredibly powerful component. And it's something that we really want people to be able to have access to. And, you know, the lawmakers want to hear those stories as well. And what, I know I started to ask this before, what does it, what does Advocacy Day look like for those who haven't done it before? Who are you talking to? Does it take all day? What, what are you doing? In years past, it, you'd walk into kind of a swanky conference room in D.C. and you'd, you know, make sure your shirt was, your tie was straight and your dress was, like, you know, and be like, oh, can they tell I'm, you know, your, your imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> no. But uh, in years past, it, it felt like, you know, it was this event and it was almost like a field trip meets um, a, a, a download of all these really exciting people that you were meeting and then these intense conversations with with lawmakers and, and like walking through beautiful museums. It was just, it was like a, a weird dream you had, right? And last year and this year, it's virtual. So what it is, is that a few days ahead of time or a few weeks, you'll get a call or an email from your state captain and they say, hey, you're part of this group and you know we're gonna maybe practice once or twice. Here's the script that we're reading from. Who has a story? Here, whose story could be, you know, could relate back to this legislation that we're, these asks that we're making. And so you work with that small group of people from your state or from your region to figure out what you're going to say. And then you, the day of, maybe you go to the cram session the night before, and then the day of you have, I think it's like three to five calls 
They're about 20 minutes long. You, you tell your spiel, sometimes without knowing why people will find that the emotion sneaks up on them because you're doing something about, you're putting a, a purpose to the pain. And um, some folks, you know, are, are embarrassed about that, but we always say, no, please bring, you know, bring your truth. That's just as Joe said, that's so compelling, right? And so then you are on these calls and then you jump off the calls and you begin furiously texting the people you are on those calls with, oh, that was great. And it was wonderful. And then you go to a virtual sort of mixer after all your calls are over where you share in the excitement of the day. You network with other people, you know, uh, nurse practitioners, meet other nurse practitioners, artists who are celebrating and investigating the concept of infertility, meet other artists. And there's been a lot of cool partnerships. Um, I love it as a person in this field serving this community because it's almost like this like really in-depth, like reinvigoration of every bit of empathy. Like it's an intense focus group, like remember who you're serving, remember what this is about, you're up close personal. So it's just, it's a really exciting experience where you're making change and you're reconnecting with your community. And by the end of it, you have no imposter syndrome, you're empowered and hopefully everyone else feels like this too. It's addicting because there's nothing else you can say you did that day that's anywhere as cool as being like, I told my lawmakers about what needs to work, how it needs to go down. So it, it is addicting. I, I can totally attest to that too. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I think this is something that is, and I think Ellen was kind of somewhat trying to get towards this is who else are you talking to? Cause I mean, I can personally attest to what I was shocked by the first time and, and I was warned about it and I was still shocked by it is that I was like, I'm going to go meet with my congressman. Who are you generally actually meeting with? Yeah, sure. So I uh, I think I'm a really good example of that. My first job when I moved to D.C. after college was I was working for uh, Senator Lamar Alexander from Tennessee. I was 22-year-old, fresh out of college uh, political science major, and I was working on his staff. So I was meeting with constituents. I was giving tours. Uh, I was a bright-eyed, idealistic uh, kid who, you know, was working on senator staff, working side by side with some of the most important people in the country. And so a lot of people are very shocked to understand that a lot of the staffers that you end up talking to are very young people. They're, you know, men and women in their early, mid twenties. Sometimes you'll have a more senior staffer. Um, but because they're young, they may not understand the implications of everything, but they have immense power and they are sympathetic. And as a constituent, they want to hear your story. So it's always a shock when people think that they're going to come in and, you know, I'm meeting with X senator and, you know, a lot of people do get a chance to meet with their representatives or their senators, but most of the time staff are the ones you're meeting with, which is usually a good thing because, the secret about Washington is staff are the ones who actually make most of the decisions. <sighs> That's They're what I was going to get you to veer to. I was like, that is <laughs> yes. why it's so important. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, you know, for everything that you see on the news where a senator or representative is grandstanding in front of a camera, there are a whole team of staffers who are meeting behind the scenes and are actually negotiating the language of any legislation. So if you get into the nitty gritty of the whole process, you really actually want to be talking to those people because they're the ones who understand all the intricate details of any legislation that is presented. So one thing that you know we always talk about is you have to understand who you're talking to, 
But because of that, you can really use that to your advantage and you can use it as an educational experience. And, and that I would say you're just you you and I have the same brain. I was like, I was going to say perfect. that was one of the most awesome things that I found was that they, they'd look at me and they'd go, well, this doesn't you know, I haven't experienced this. I'm really sorry. And I'd be like, well, great. You know what happens if you have breast cancer and you need to preserve your oocytes? Like have you and you just watch their eyes suddenly go. I hadn't thought about the future implications for me in, in these things. Yeah. My, my first advocacy day, I was meeting with a, a young staffer from Senator Van Hollen's office and he was probably mid twenties, uh, legislative correspondent for the Senator. And, uh, we were still in the process of going through one of our, uh, transfers and he asked me a question out of the blue and he, he asked me, so how much have you had to pay out of pocket? And, I told him I've had to pay over $50,000 out of pocket for uh, this process. And he was stunned. And I told him, you know, a few years ago, I was in your exact shoes. I was a young congressional staffer. I was making not very much money. But then to understand how much people pay to try to have a family really shows how the policy can really impact these people. So if you can relate to them in that way, and you know, I think it's a really powerful message. I just want to highlight that Resolve's Federal Advocacy Day is the largest gathering of advocates uh, speaking directly to federal lawmakers, federal offices. So it's so easy sort of in your mind to be like, oh, someone else, someone bigger, bigger organization or something, they've got this under control. They don't need little old me, right? Well, Resolve is the largest showing. Resolve, this is it. This is the event in the United States that speaks to adoption, that speaks to people who built their families through third-party reproduction, IVF, uh, that, you know, make uh, uh, certain medical funding, uh, advocacy for PCOS funding, advocacy, uh, you know, um, education about personhood bills. Uh, This is, uh, that's us. And so if you're thinking, oh, someone else got this. No, (laughs) we're the ones doing it. And then when you look kind of around an event and you go, boy, this looks so well run. Resolve has a way of making it look so like, you know, gorgeous and um, elaborate. You think, boy, there must be hundreds of staffers. Now, of course, Resolve is organized and they know what they're doing. But when I found out there's 10 full-time staff, really, the reason why it looks so good is because they've got an incredible um, dedicated volunteer uh, network. And so any part of you is thinking on any level, boy, this isn't for me. And you kind of break it down. You go, this is exactly for me. This the largest showing of advocacy, federal advocacy depends on volunteers just like you, just like me and us. I'm really plugging hard today, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love, I it. love it. Can no, you talk to about um, past successes that Advocacy Day has achieved as well as what kind of the targets are? Like what bills are we looking at this year to try to make progress and making it easier for building families? Yeah. So, you know, one thing that it's always important to understand is that the legislative process takes a long time. Uh, I always tell Jesse that the average amount of time that a bill takes to become law is around seven years. And there are thousands of pieces of legislation that are introduced annually and only a few hundred actually make it to law. So it's really imperative that people understand that this process is long drawn out and But with that also, as I mentioned before, comes opportunity. It allows us to continue to educate lawmakers to have a consistent message telling your story. One of the successes that has recently happened at the state level is New York uh, passing legislation that uh, repealed the ban on surrogacy. And that was due to the hard work of 
uh, grassroots advocates and organizations like Resolve working together uh, to have a huge win. And recently at the federal level, a, a huge win was a recent hearing that uh, Resolve CEO uh, Barb Cholera testified in front of Congress. And this is the first time one of our pieces of legislation, uh, they've had a specific legislation or a specific hearing on the IVF for vets legislation. So, you know, we're starting to make uh, starting to make headway with legislators through education and through stories. And one way that we can continue to make progress is to have more and more people attend advocacy day. You know, as Jesse mentioned, we had a record number last year and we're really hoping to be able to break that record this year. And we lawmakers will listen to you if you have more people. And if you have, we don't need to have money raised and super PACs and all this other stuff. Grassroots, true stories of how policies implicate or impact their constituents is still the most effective method for successful legislation. And this year, we have, you know, several pieces of legislation that can have a real world impact. You know, there's the IVF for vets legislation that I mentioned that there was a hearing on. We have uh, legislation that would end uh, discrimination for adoption. Uh, there are a number of states that still have laws on the books that allow for discrimination based on, you know, sexual orientation, marriage status, uh, race and other stuff. So that needs to, to be ended. And unfortunately, it probably has to happen at the federal level. And we also have legislation that would allow IVS services to be paid for through the federal uh, employee health benefit plan, which is one of the largest insurers in the country. There are millions of Americans who are employed through the FEHBP, and so that would be a huge win. And so these are the types of pieces of legislation that Resolve is working with a number of allied organizations uh, to promote at Advocacy Day this year. And there are some years where you might uh, register to attend and your personal story may not fit in so perfectly, you know, not, may not be the perfect fit to one of the bills, but um, I find it really exciting to obviously expand my own concept of ethics and understanding. And, and um, I also really appreciate the fact that we're for us as a community, we have to be willing to show up year after year, whether or not our story applies, because there will be that year where, you know, hey, people working in third party reproduction, we want to hear from you. And I'll be like, that's me. I know about this. I can help. I also just love the idea of people showing up and saying, okay, other person going through this, this struggle, I'm here for you in this moment because you were, you know, fighting for me and my particular cause. Um, I think it's really powerful. The fact that about 50% of our attendees identify as professional supporting the community. Um, and, uh, the others identify as patients in some capacity, either resolved or currently in, in treatment or, or going through um, a solution. And it's really exciting to be in that room where a lawmaker, if they're just talking to patients, they could easily say, well, I don't know what the professional community is going to think about this or vice versa. But when we're in there together and we are united in our asks, that is a really powerful thing for a lawmaker to hear and say, oh, okay, these otherwise, you know, these assumed um, opposite perspectives are united. And this, this doctor really, you know, agrees with what this patient's saying. That's, that's really exciting. And I know it's, um, it's powerful stuff. Can I, I just, I'm going to add an extra plug for you in there is <laughs> I, I think there's a big group out there of people who are sometimes reticent and I was at first too. So Barb Kalura and I had a long conversation about it because I have a child now. She's 15 mm. years old. And I was like, I don't 
I'm not, I, I don't have infertility anymore in that it's proven that I at least was able to carry a child. And she said, and you touched on this a little bit. She said, you're resolved. That doesn't mean it mm. went away. And I think that a lot of people that are past or have finished, finished with whatever avenue they're going to take to grow their families thinks that their voice doesn't matter anymore. And it really does. It oh, really it does. matters to look backwards and say, hey, this is what affected me. I it, Obviously, it can't change anything for me now, but I want to change it so the next person coming along does not have that same struggle. I love that. And also, I mean, one in eight, hey, where's the seven? Where's the seven of that? Like, we got to speak up for the one in eight, you know? When the seven joins in to, to help, um, it's interesting, Jen I, don't, Jen, I don't know how we fix it. There's a lot of other uh, advocacy groups where Maybe like you get over cancer, but you still attend cancer days and there's no hesitation, right? Because you're a survivor. Right. When do we get to the point where after family building challenges, that, hey, you guys, thank goodness you resolve. Please come back and support. We want that. Right. Um, don't be embarrassed about the fact that you actually did resolve your challenges. Right. And now let's help the next people. And that Absolutely. was hard for me. And so I, I imagine there are probably a lot of people out there that need to hear that it's okay that oh, you have made come. it past it. And please do still come out because your voice really does matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think also, as we think about this, you know, there's a lot of people who are advocates who have secondary infertility. So their first child, they, you know, didn't have a problem where they were able to carry. And the second time, third time, et cetera, you know, they have issues and it's something they hadn't thought about as they were younger. But, you know, if you get a little older, you know, you could run into problems. But one thing that's really important from a messaging standpoint is infertility is a disease. It is recognized by the WHO as a disease, and we need lawmakers and insurance companies to understand that it is a disease. And there are treatments out there that are scientifically proven that can help improve the odds of individuals uh, being able to have children. And if we frame it in those in that way, I think it really does allow us to have an impact. And the the uh, impact that a disease has on someone isn't just the physical. There's also the mental aspect of this as well. And this is something that Absolutely. you know I struggled with a lot early on in the process, which Resolve has helped me with both from, you know, being involved, but also, you know, Resolve is an organization that allows people to connect with therapy groups and with other individuals where you can talk through some of these issues. And when you go through this type of thing with your spouse, your partner as an individual, you know, there's a lot of weight and baggage that has to be carried and as all diseases have. And so when we start to think of infertility as a disease and how can we treat this as a disease, I think it really reframes the conversation and allows us to try and advance a little bit further and really try to have an impact on the community. Absolutely. And also all lawmakers have faith have families, right? I mean, you know, you're like, you want to look right, even if it didn't affect you, like, <laughs> darn it, what what would have happened if you can't have that beautiful family that's in the photos behind you? How would you feel about that right now? You know, like, there's, there's so many ways we can frame this conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. My representative is adoptive and every adopted. And every time I go into his office, you know, I know that he's going to support anything that I have about family building uh, specifically to that issue. And, um, you know, that I'm, we're all encouraged to sort of learn what's public um, knowledge about our uh, the lawmakers that we'll be speaking to. And so they a lot of folks have a connection to this issue. And then PCOS uh, affects one in 10 women worldwide. And so when we go in and we talk about PCOS funding, almost every single gal in that you know room will perk up and know someone or be like, oh, yeah, I'm waiting for that diagnosis. So it's it, it's um, 
we're definitely not talking about an obscure topic. No. It's relatable. And I like how. Obscure. No, I was going to say, yeah. no, it's not obscure at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's not obscure. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, and hopefully as awareness increases, and I love awareness and I love that it's um, NIAW, happy NIAW, I don't know, greetings, jolly I, NIAW. I, 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 was, I was struggling with how uh, you address that. I say, so people know that they're not confused. Yeah. We're recording this during National Infertility Awareness Week. And I yesterday was like, do you wish somebody <laughs> happy National Infertility Awareness Week? Yeah. And I had to like stop. And I was like, oh, maybe she do that. I don't know. That feels awkward. <laughs> right. 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 Well, and and I love awareness. Awareness is great, but I'm so excited for, okay, after awareness, of course, is then what? If, you, if you're ready for it, if you have the strength that you want to put your pain to purpose, um, action and advocacy is that ultimate action. Absolutely. I love, you know, getting dressed up and, and holding a sign. You can, you can almost always count on me for that. But you know what all the cool kids are doing? Instead of the signs, they're putting on suits and they are logging into a computer and they're registering to make legislative change, which is also very Or they can even do it with their sweatpants on, believe it or not, this year. You know? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I like it. Or you can have a combination of, you know, the upper being business and you still have the sweatpants Mm -hmm. on below. I'm doing that right now. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was yeah, right. right. So this all of this actually reminds me of a, a story from last year. One of our new co-sponsors uh, was a member of Congress who uh, had initially opposed uh, some of the legislation. And I don't remember which piece of legislation it was. And after the uh, some advocates talked with them, we actually heard back from the office that the member was going to sign on as a co-sponsor of our legislation. And we heard from the staffer that after their meeting, the staffer met with the chief of staff and the chief of staff uh, was a uh, younger woman. And she said that she had her children through IVF and the member of Congress had no idea that his chief of staff had gone through it and decided to support our legislation because the chief of staff was able to convey the, the story, uh, you know, her, uh, you know, her truth. And, so it goes to the point of one, you never know who you're talking to. And that's why the stories matter so much that this member of Congress probably would not have supported. However, their chief of staff, their their member, you know, their staff were able to kind of say, hey, this is the actual real world impact. And if you know, our advocates hadn't gone in and told their story, we probably would have one less co-sponsor on our legislation. That's incredible. That's incredible. So I, I totally want to ask funniest stories, like my personal funniest story is, I mean, just because I'm going to share mine first. Uh, and give you time to think about it is that I am in a teeny tiny state. So New Mexico has, I'm it every year by myself. Uh, so they had me just wander around with California because I also at the time lived in California because I'm married to a military member and that's where we lived. And we went through security because their first meeting was way before my first meeting. And I was with, uh, I believe it was Miss California. It was with our delegation and she had to put her crown yeah. through security and the security and the Capitol <laughs> Police were so intrigued by what in the world was in that bag that I actually have a picture of Capitol Police. She pulled it out of the bag of them wearing her crown. I so love it. that is I my favorite. I'm, I'm like, I don't put that out like publicly anywhere. The the photos of it, maybe I should dig them back out. But I'm like, it's a it was a pretty awesome experience to watch them be like, this is so cool. And they stopped and they talked to us for a while about what we were doing. And it gave us a chance to talk. And it it was really incredible. That was my my favorite silly story about it. So I want to hear, do you guys have any good silly stories about Advocacy Day? 
mine goes to my first advocacy day where I was like super nervous. And I turned to the gal next to me and I was like, are you a professional? Which of course she took as, do you work outside the home? And I I meant like, you know, is this part of your, did your boss let you come here today? And so she was just like, yes, I am. And as I hung out with her throughout the day, I realized, oh, she's an aviation lobbyist. She is not, she's here because, and so um, it's cool. She knew DC really well and occasionally would point out senators to me. And we became really good friends. And um, so, yeah, that was my fun little like mistaken. Oh, cool. We're in the same. Uh, of course, all those little stolen moments I had with her uh, throughout the day were awesome. And I, I cherish them. And um, yeah, that was how I met my first uh, lobbyist. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> I swear we don't we don't bite. You don't have to be afraid of lobbyists. They're just normal people. We just have to register with the government. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I don't really have a, a funny story, but a really cool story, I think, is my first advocacy day. Uh, I was walking with members of the Maryland delegation, and we had maybe 20 or 30 minutes between meetings from the House and the Senate side. And so if you haven't you been booking to, it. <laughs> to the Capitol before, that's a very far. Well, you should be booking it. However, as a former staffer, I knew that there's an underground uh, system and there's actually trolleys uh-huh. that can be taken. Members usually have that. However, if you ask really nicely and staffers know you're going to another meeting, they have badges that can get you on those. So I was actually able to get our uh, our uh, little small delegation from our uh, house meeting over the Senate by using the underground system and the trolleys. So that was a very cool thing for people to be able to have access to that because otherwise they probably would have been late or sprinting across the Capitol the, grounds. The person I had somebody because the year I was in New Mexico by myself, they will. I will actually say this also. So I said I was by myself. Resolve will never ever let you be alone in any of these meetings. And so even though she wasn't from New Mexico, I actually had somebody who was with me. And so she spent all day coming to all of my meetings. And that's why we were sprinting back and forth to California meetings as much as possible as well, because I was trying to also make sure that she could make it to hers. But we did exactly that. She knew the trick and we rode the trolley. And I still, I I have to say, you're supposed to hand back your little day pass. And I still have my little day pass from the trolley. (laughs) I keep it as a little badge of honor because it was so awesome. (laughs) And I had the same experience uh, my first year where I was the only person going to go speak with my representative. And out of thin air, this man appeared and said, are you Jesse Feist? And I was like, yes, you know, like, we, and he's like, tell me your story in connection to this cause. And to this day, I don't know. I, I don't remember where he came from. But when Resolve says you will never go alone, they will send someone and they will either you'll follow them throughout the day or they will send someone and they will take care of you. And he set me up for my first meeting. And he was such a cool um just conveyor of information that I said, well, how can I follow you around for a little bit for the rest of your meetings? And I learned so much. Every year I learn more about how to just, you know, give that elevator speech and how other people are doing it. And it's so fun to, to learn and, um, and make those new connections. And uh, yes, riding the train is always a highlight. Is it a trolley? trolley? It's a little I'm trolley, learning. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whenever yeah. there's a person who's going to be their single advocate, I always feel like the scene in Top Gun where I say, you know, I'll be your wingman anytime, right? where I've been able to join multiple <laughs> meetings of delegations in order to ensure that no one was, you know, by themselves. So if you're listening to this and you end up being the only person from a certain state, which I hope you aren't. I hope we have more than that. You may end up in a meeting with me. Right. Um, I've go. also done the same for, I, I, I helped with a few States last year. It was fantastic. It's, it's fun too. You, it gives you a wider network of fun. people to hear their stories yes. and connect with. And 
ultimately, I mean, you know, it's kind of trite, you know, the resolve says, you know, you are not alone in infertility. Also, you're not alone in advocating, right? They, they really mean that you are Love never it. alone. <laughs> so true. And then you get updates along the way, you know, oh, that gal that I met, oh boy, she's going in for her, you know, her transfer. Oh, things went well, or, oh, they adopted. And it's just, it's a bright spot to feel connected to people in their stories or, um, yeah, it's really yeah. exciting. Yeah. So it's also, I mean, advocating, but also just meeting and making new relationships with incredible people in either your own state or beyond. Cause sometimes that can be in your own state. You're like, I had no idea pe- how many people around me were going through this. Yeah, absolutely. So how can people get involved this year? Cause I know this year is different. We're still in the, we're in virtual this year. I don't know if they'll go back to in-person years following. So we're just going to talk about this year. So how can people get involved this year? On Resolve's website, you just hit that little registration button there. It's going to be the event is June 17th. And I know that it's in the middle of your week, um, but it's about three to five meetings, 20 minutes long. So you hit that little registration, you fill out the form, and then you do a confirmation email. If you're starting to think, boy, this is exciting, or maybe I've been before and I want to do more, you just let Resolve know that you are interested in perhaps joining the planning committee. But that's for folks who are really, if this is your first year, you just register. I think we'll get a few um, calls to actions coming out within the next month or so to also just sign our letter that always, uh, our letter campaign that always accompanies Advocacy Day. And so if, if nothing else, sign the letter. Um, but if you can spare the time, a few hours of training the night, you know, a, a week before the night before, and then the day of, and three to five meetings throughout your day on the 17th, please attend your first advocacy day. It's really going to change your perspective of, uh, you know, at just the lawmaking and what you're capable of. Um, so yeah. So, and then and uh, remind us again what the day, the deadline to actually apply, because I know there's a lot of logistics that have to go on in creating those meetings. So what is the deadline to put in to be part? June 3rd. Please register and confirm by June 3rd. Yes. And if you're unable to attend on the 17th, you know, advocacy is very much a choose your own adventure type uh, activity where Jesse mentioned our letter campaign. Last year, we had over 5,000 member or 5,000 letters sent to all 100 senators and over 300, I believe, uh, members of Congress. And we're hoping to increase that this year. So if you're unable to attend or any of these meetings, you still can become an advocate by writing your member of Congress. You can pass along your letters to your family and friends, ask them to sign up. These are the type of activities that really do help move the needle. So if you're unsure about being able to commit to meetings over the course of the day, you know, that is uh, another way you can get involved. If you are, uh, you know, working with other organizations, you know, there, there's lots of ways to get involved. And Resolve's website has some fantastic resources for how you can become an advocate. So I really, you know, plug that and say to everyone, go to the, you know, resolve.org and uh, check the Get Involved uh, tab on the website, and you can see all the different ways that you can get involved, both the federal and also at the state level, too. A lot of what Resolve as an organization does, we've talked That's about so federal advocacy. The state advocacy level is where a lot of progress is being made over the uh, across the country. We're talking about the Colorado powerhouse. Right. I was going to say, we, we, know, we, know, we exactly. know a little bit yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> I want to say too, if you're worried about your boss saying no, because again, it's a, it's in it's a weekday. I, I've uh, asked several bosses throughout the years, 
cool if I attend this? And they always give me the thumbs up. I think when you tell your boss, I want to support a cause that's close to my heart, um, almost always they're going to give you the thumbs up. So if you need the courage to um, please don't take resolve, uh, advocacy day off of your, off of your list, just because you think it's a work day, there's ways to make it work. And most bosses are excited to be supportive of this. And also sometimes depending on the field you're in to have you represent, you know, and right. yeah. Right. And that really it's an hour ish of your time total. You know, if it's just more of like, Hey, sorry, this might disrupt my day somewhat. But do you mind if I, you know, step into a quiet office for 20 minutes at a time over the course of the day, but I come back and I'm still paying attention? That's the great thing about doing it virtually is that you can do that as opposed to the the in-person where, yeah, you do have to travel and be there all day and things like that. So this year, it does make it so that everybody can take part. Oh, thank you guys so, so much. Thank you for sharing your stories and what brought you here and for giving us so much information about advocacy day. I'm, I was already energized before and now I'm 10 times more energized. Thank you. So Great. Thank you for having us. I can't wait to see you all on advocacy day. Thank you all. Thank you, Jesse and Joe and Jen remind us those important dates. So, uh, the last day to register for advocacy day is June 5th. And the actual advocacy day is on June 17th. And as I think we hopefully impressed, you you want to be available all day, but it's not like it's going to take every minute of the entire day intensely. Is It's going to be some level of just, a, you know, some time in that day. Um, so June 5th and June 17th. And Ellen and I both have dogs going off in the background. Mine oh is crying Teddy. in his sleep and Ellen's is barking. <laughs> Teddy is so excited. Please, guys, come on. You've got Join to us for, for Advocacy Day. And then maybe you could even see pictures of Teddy and my dog Pickles, who is like barking in her sleep, which is hysterical. So if you can hear it in the background. <laughs> um, but a huge thank you to everybody out there. Thank you to our team, to Amanda, to Tyler, and of course, to Chris at Work at Earth Studios and to you. Thank you. We Hopefully, we, hopefully we will see or hear all of you at Advocacy Day in a few weeks. Mm-hmm.